Welcome to Faith Sermons and Studies with Pastor Joe DeVitro. I hope you have your Bibles with you this morning. We're going to be jumping into the text here in just a moment, but I just wanted to welcome everybody here this morning. Thanks for coming out today, and uh, the message that we have for you today I think is going to be one that uh, will stir our hearts and uh, really kind of probe at us a little bit, kind of pick at our heart a little bit and make us really um, think about what the passage says today and the dirty little secret that we kind of keep inside our heart and the truth that uh, comes along with that. So how many of us have heard the phrase, or we've all heard the phrase, just follow your heart. Just do it. You be you and I'll be me. You be you. How about this one? We've all heard this one. Let your conscience be your guide. Be a better you. All you need is love. And uh, we've all heard these kind of phrases before as we have uh, gone through. But how foolish is it for us to really follow our heart? Uh, what does the Bible actually say in contrast to the cultural phrases that we are so used to hearing or the cultural advice that we get from the phrases that we just talked about. Listen to what the Bible says about the danger of following your heart. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 3 says this, this is an evil in all that is done under the sun, that the same event happens to us all. Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness is in their hearts while they live. And after that, they go to the dead. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23, it says, And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. Just follow your heart, they say. The Bible says, don't follow your heart. So in contrast to the pervasive and popular thinking, which states, life is all about you or all about me, listen to the words of the living word of God recorded here for us in Luke chapter 9. And this will be our text today. Luke chapter 9, one verse is all we're going to look at today. One verse, but it's going to take us three, probably two to three weeks to cover the whole thing. Because uh, this verse is just loaded with truth. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, World War II, uh, he was in Nazi Germany and he was a believer. He said this about discipleship. He says, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. He said, salvation is indeed free. Aren't you glad for free salvation? But discipleship will cost you your life. So as we've been learning in our Missions as Discipleship series that every believer is called to, a loving, is called to lovingly follow Jesus and intentionally help others to follow him. So as we unpack this passage, we're going to begin by considering a call to follow Jesus. And we're going to see that right in the passage of Scripture here. 
there's going to be a call, and then we're going to contemplate the four different conditions for discipleship. And those four conditions are desire, denial, death, and devotion. Let me give those to you again. Desire, denial, death, and devotion. And if we go back to the verse, and you'll hear it in there. And he said to all, there's your call. If anyone would come after me, there's desire. Let him deny himself, there's denial. Take up his cross daily, that's death. And follow me, devotion. So we're going to take a look at these four phrases, because these words capture the heart of discipleship. So over the next couple of weeks here, we're going to look at this one verse, but we're going to look at these four different segments. And my goal today is simply to get through the first two, that we cover the fact that there is a desire, well, a call, first of all, then a desire, and then a denial. So because these words capture the heart of discipleship, uh, I want us to look at Luke 9, 23 again. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So we're going to tackle desire and, and denial, as I mentioned just a minute ago. So let's jump into it. Let's start out with that call, though, that we talked about first. See, first, Jesus gives a call in the first part of the verse. He says, and he said to all. So before settling into our text, let's, uh, let's set the context. Uh, just a few minutes ago in our responsive reading, we read in verses 10 through 17 that Jesus withdrew with his disciples. But when the crowds figured out where he was, they followed after him. And after teaching and healing all day, the disciples asked Jesus to send the crowd away that they could find some lodging and food. And instead of sending them away, Jesus surprised everyone when he fed 5,000 hungry men with some bread and a couple of fish. Following this in the text, in verses 18 through 20, Jesus then turns to his disciples and he asks a question, Who do you say that I am? Peter spoke up quickly and declared that you are the Christ. They weren't prepared for what Jesus said next, though. Check it out what it says. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and to be killed and on the third day be raised. So it is after this intense teaching time which according to Mark chapter 8 and verse 33 included a public rebuke of Peter, Jesus calls the crowd and the 12 disciples together. And the tense for the word said here can be translated, he was saying it over and 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 over. Well, you get the idea, right? Over again. Apparently what Jesus was about to declare to them was something that he had been saying over and over and over again. He repeatedly emphasized this. The word all indicates that this the whole meaning is intended for the crowd and the committed core, both the large group and the 12 disciples. Mark says it this way in chapter 8, verse 34, kind of fills in some of the gray area for us. In calling to the crowd, or and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them. He said to them, what did he say? If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Mark 8, 34. What Jesus says next is not just for his disciples, but for every single one of us. Every single one of us. 
What does he say? Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Jesus Bonhoeffer actually summarizes what Jesus is telling the disciples and the people that are following him because they are looking for free things and a free ride. And Jesus says, salvation truly is free, but discipleship is going to cost you your life. So let's dig into the first two of the four conditions here now. Conditions one and two for denying our dark side. And uh, I want you to notice not just the call to faith, but that that call of faith is actually open to everybody. But there are conditions of following Jesus Christ. We see the word, uh, the use of the word if uh, in our text here. This is a first class conditional uh, phrase in the Greek. Uh, it reminds me of what happened back in Luke chapter 14 and verse 25 that we looked at last week. Uh, it said this, now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, some of the most profound truths come in small words. Grammatically speaking, if introduces that conditional clause I mentioned, meaning there are conditions or circumstances upon which certain circumstances follow. By the way, the word if appears 1,673 times in the English Standard Version, almost half of those 574 to be exact, occur in the New Testament and are found in the first four Gospels. So the word if reminds us of our responsibility to respond and not be passive. As we've said before, discipleship is not accidental. We don't fall into discipleship. We intentionally get there. So Mark reiterates this. And in, in, uh, actually, let me, let me show you a couple, not just Mark. But let me show you several passages of scripture that actually talk about an if-then effect. This first-class conditional effect, if you will. Mark 4.23 says this, if anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. John 7.37, if anyone is thirsty, let them come to me and drink. John 8.31 says this, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. In John 14, 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. So as we go, keep going through scripture here, the word if means that we have a choice in the matter of whether or not we'll make our discipleship matter. We have a choice in that. We can choose to disciple. We can choose not to disciple. We can choose to be a part of somebody else's life or we can choose not to be a part of somebody's life. Let's look at this first conditional or first class conditional clause a little bit deeper because it demands discipleship. So let's look at first of all that condition of desire. The condition of desire. A person must desire to be a disciple. Notice what it says. If anyone would come after me. The heart of the matter is really the heart of the matter here. The phrase would come is the idea of intentionality and involves an act of the will. This can be translated also to wish or to desire. So you have to have a desire to want to be discipled and you have to have a desire to want to disciple somebody else. 
in order to walk with Jesus, first you must want to walk with Jesus. I mean, that seems kind of obvious, but yet how many times do we act like or say like we want to follow him and we really don't do it? In the New King James, it renders uh, this like this. Whoever desires to come after me. The New American Standard says it this way. If anyone wishes to follow me, the New Living Translation says, if any of you wants to be my follower. This was not a secret teaching for a select few. This was an open-ended invitation to whosoever will. So this call of Jesus goes out to everyone and to anyone. To the curious crowd, those that were nearby, to the committed core, the 12 disciples, or really, you could argue the 11, and even to Judas himself, the counterfeit person. These three groups are still present today. Some of you that are here this morning that are sitting in church, you're curious about Jesus Christ. You want to get to know him. You want to learn more about him. Some others, you're committed to him and you're following him. But there's a few here that probably this morning, I would be naive to kind of think that it's not true, but there's probably a few of us here this morning that have counterfeit faith. But I want you to notice that Jesus gives the same message to each group. Whether they were a committed core, a fringe, or a counterfeit faith, Jesus gives the exact same message to all three groups. That brings me to a common misconception in the church, and that is this. Discipleship is for the super committed, but not for everyone. I don't know about you, but that couldn't be further from the truth, that it is not for super committed people. Many times you'll hear, well, we're going to have a discipleship, and this is for the really committed. No. We are all called to be disciples. So it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter whether you've been living, how you've been living or whatever. There's room at the cross for everyone. Romans 3.23 states it pretty blatantly for us. For all have sinned. Acts 10.34 says it this way. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Notice the phrase, come after me. The phrase come after me as the idea of movement, of lining up behind the Lord, of following whoever, wherever he goes. It has the idea of how many of you went to elementary school? You remember going to elementary school? Remember when the teacher told you uh, to go to the door, we're going to go somewhere to the bathroom or we're going to go to lunch or something like that. And the teacher would say, everybody line up the door and there would be a line leader. And then she'd give this instruction. Everybody line up behind the person in front of you look at the back of their head and stand in a single file line with your hands at your side. And this is the idea of what the Greek says here. It's like an elementary school teacher that said, line up and we're headed outside for recess. You got in a single file line behind the person and you simply followed and mimicked where they went. We don't walk in front of Jesus. We don't ask him to catch up. I mean, how many of you have ever walked dogs? You know, dogs are notorious for this. I have two dogs and Sometimes they'll get in a hurry and they'll get out in front of me and then they don't know where they're going. So they'll stop, turn sideways, and then I trip on them or I kick them or something like that. You know what? Sometimes God's probably like that with us, like we are with our dogs. He's like, come on now, get alongside me, get behind me, but stay out from in front of me. So we don't walk in front of Jesus. We don't ask Jesus to catch up with our ways and our wishes. No, we get behind him and we walk where he walks. We walk after him, not ahead of him. 
We don't live like we want and ask Jesus to bless us. Rather, we walk in his blessing when our lives line up with his word. So I got a question for you. Do you have a desire to follow Jesus as one of his disciples? Listen, you won't follow him if you don't want to. Some are not following the Savior simply because they don't have a desire to do so or because their desire is for immediate gratification in this world instead of godliness. No one else influences that decision but you. You control you. Let me, let me prove that. Listen to what Psalm 73 and verse 25 says. Psalm 73 and verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth, and here it is, that I desire besides you. I come back to Dietrich Bonhoeffer's saying again, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Let's go to a second condition here, and that is the condition of denial. The first condition is that you settle, you settle your desire, but the second condition is to deny yourself. Let him deny himself, the verse says. The phrase let him puts responsibility on each and every one of us. This is intentional because it's not automatic. This is true surrender. One commentator captured it very well. He said self-denial is simply turning away from the adultery of self-centeredness and every attempt to orient one's life by the, by the dictates of self-interest. Let me say that again. One commentator captured it well. He said this, self-denial is turning away from the adultery of self-centeredness and every attempt to orient one's life by the dictates of self-interest. Luke said it pretty bluntly in chapter 14, verse 33. So therefore, if any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. Now, again, this doesn't go out, sell everything you have. We talked about this last week. This means by placing Jesus as preeminent in our life. He is first before everything else. We deny everything else and we put Christ first. So to deny ourselves is a command from Christ himself. So to deny ourselves is a command from Christ himself. Means that we're to deny ourselves are to deny ourselves right now, without delay. We are called to make a radical decision to renounce our righteousness and refuse to see ourselves as supreme. How many times do we uh, compare ourselves to other people? And we always make sure that we compare ourselves to somebody who is far inferior than us. I mean, if we were going to try to act like we were the best uh, football player in the world. The last person we're going to want to compare ourselves to is Tom Brady, right? He's the GOAT. He's the guy. He's the one who has the records, the Super Bowls, and everything that goes with it. If we were to say that we're a great player, Tom Brady's not who we want to compare ourselves to because Tom, Tom Brady's going to show us what we truly are. And you know what? When we play football, none of us are Tom Brady's. Let's look at what the Bible tells us about this in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So denying ourselves is not the same thing as self-denial. Like not eating chocolate or not 
not going on Facebook or going on a Facebook fast. To deny ourselves is turning from sin and selfishness and turning to Jesus Christ. So having said that, it may involve saying no to some practices or habits in our lives or in our relationships. You see, denying self means that I stop thinking that I'm always right. I stop living in my own power. I, I refuse to pursue my own pleasures because I no longer been, I no longer belong to myself. Jesus says it this way, don't you know that you've been bought with a price? You not, you're not your own. Let's look at that a little deeper. First Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 and 20 says this, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you've been bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In short, I must give up the right to run my own life because I no longer own my own life. If Jesus truly bought us with a price and the price was his life, then we are subject to Christ. We must give up our life. We must give up our thoughts, our desires, our wishes, our direction, and we must surrender to Jesus Christ. I, if I've been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, I now belong to him. John Calvin said it this way, self-denial is the sum of the Christian life. Let's deal with that word deny real quick. The word deny is a polar opposite of the word that we use for confess. This is an urgent command to deny oneself because if we don't deny ourselves, we'll end up denying the Savior himself. Just talk to Peter about this. I mean, he, he said, I would never. And you know what? Before the night's end, he did three times. He denied Jesus Christ. We must confess Christ. We must deny ourselves or we'll confess ourselves and will deny Christ, just like Peter. You will either live for yourself or you'll live for a savior. No man can serve two masters. He'll love the one and hate the other. So most of us, including me this morning, are fine with glorifying God, but we don't really want to do it if it costs us something. You see, we want to exalt him, but not if it's at our expense. We can't fully follow Christ while living our lives any way we please. We just can't do it. I can't be following my heart and make God happy. So if you're here this morning, you're headed the wrong way. God may send people, he may send problems your way to try to get your attention. Paul David Tripp states it this way, God is quite willing to interrupt your comfort in order to reclaim the allegiance and submission of your heart. God is quite willing to interrupt your comfort in order to reclaim the allegiance and submission of your heart. Mercy Me has a song called So Long Self. And uh, have you ever broken up with yourself? <laughs> I actually wrote a song about this. And I want to read the lyrics to you about a man breaking up with himself. Well, if I've come across a little bit distant, it's because I am. Things just seem to feel a little bit different, you understand. Believe it or not, but your life is not apparently about me anyways. But I've met the one who really, really is worthy. So let me say, so long, self. Well, it's been fun, but I found somebody else. So long, self. There's just no room for two, so you are going to have to move. So long, self.
Don't take this wrong, but you are wrong for me. Farewell. Oh, well. Goodbye. Don't cry. So long, self. Have you ever broken up with yourself? Have you ever told yourself, you know what? I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I'm, I'm putting on Jesus Christ. You see, there's really no room for two people. Either self is on the throne of our life or the Savior is. There's no room for double-mindedness in this. So again, let's go back to Dietrich Bonhoeffer, what he said. Salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. So let me give you a couple action steps here that you can take as we close with just three questions here. Question number one, what have you learned about intentional discipleship so far in this series? What have you learned about intentional discipleship? I mean, to intend, maybe it's to be intentional and, and to look outward instead of inward. Maybe it's equipping others uh, is intentional, that, that equipping others is an, in, an intentional thing that we must do. Maybe you learned that through this series. You know what? Pass on whatever others have poured into my life to somebody else. Pass it on. Pass it on to other people. Look at every day and every opportunity to choose to be a disciple. You must take up your cross daily and follow him. Be accountable to God. Maybe that's what you've learned through this thing. Maybe you've learned denying yourself opens doors to everything else. So what about it? How about you this morning? What have you been learning to this point through our series? But that leads me to question number two then. Is there somebody you'll share this with? You see, part of being a disciple, it means that you're following somebody. But in order to disciple somebody, then somebody's got to be following you. So think of somebody right now who you can share this with, who you can share the Christian life with, who you can share this accountability with. And then question number three, have you denied yourself and surrendered to the Savior? You see, shortly after Robert E. Lee died, remember they just took down his uh, statue here just in the last couple of weeks. But Robert E. Lee, uh, right before he died, he was asked by a young mother to bless his baby, bless her baby. He took the baby in his arms and he looked at him and looked at the mother and then said these unforgettable words. Teach him to deny himself. That is all. Teach him to deny himself. That is all. So what about you, Christian? Is self on the throne of your life or is the Savior on the throne? You see, don't follow your heart. Lead your heart to follow Christ. You desire the Savior above everything else. Can you truly say that this morning? So I have one final question. Are you ready to deny yourself? Are you ready to deny yourself? I mean, don't delay. Do it now. In a moment here, we're going to end by taking some time for some self-reflection. And our worship team is going to come back up here on the stage. And they're going to lead us in a couple final songs. But before they do, I hope you'll take some time for self-reflection. In just a moment, I'm going to lead in a prayer and give an opportunity for you to deny yourself as we sing this song, to surrender to Christ's directed life. And for some of you, this might be salvation. For others, it can be a time of rededication, a time where you make sure Jesus is on the throne of your life. When we're finished praying, 
those that are gathered here in person, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you not really to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to just search your own heart. And if, the, and, and if you made a decision today, I hope that you'll, you'll let somebody know. If you're watching online or listening online, I hope that too, if you make a decision about this, you'll drop us a note and let us know about the decision that you made. But here in just a minute, I'm going to close in prayer and then we're going to sing a couple songs. Then we're going to be dismissed. And what are you going to do with the message? Is it going to be just be a good message that Pastor Joe preached on this October Sunday? Or is it going to be something that's life-rattling, life-changing? Maybe it's resources that you're going to give to Jesus Christ. Maybe it's money to try to help out and make ministries do more stuff. But whatever it is that God is laying on your heart, I hope that you'll, during this, this prayer and this song, that you'll just allow God to speak and work through you and in you, both the will and to do of his good pleasure. If any man would deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. He can be my disciple. That's what we're looking for this morning is people who are willing to surrender to Jesus Christ, to make him first, to do what he's called you to do. I'd love to hear how God has worked through the message and what he's doing in your life. So if you want to drop a line this week, feel free to do so. Remember this, salvation is free, but discipleship will cost you your life. Let's pray together. Father, I do thank you again for the privilege you have of studying your word. I thank you that it is quick and it's powerful and as sharp as a two-edged sword. And Father, I thank you for the illustration given to us here in this tiny little verse and the, the truth that is mined out of this verse, these gold nuggets that come to the surface. And, and Father, how we're able to sift through all the gold and all the other resources there, and we're able to pull these nuggets out of truth, these verses, these phrases, these words that are so true today. And Father, if there's somebody here this morning, they've been going through the motions. They've got a dirty little secret in their life that they're not walking with you. They're not trusting you. They're not following you. That Father, you would allow them to surrender today and allow you to take control. Father, I thank you for the privilege it is of preaching your word here. I pray, Father, that as we move forward for you, that Lord, you would be preeminent in our life. You would be first in our life and what we say and what we do. And Father, I pray that there would be a unity in our church and a unity in the spirit of the people who watch this recording. And Father, may we hunger and thirst after righteousness. May we be able to be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath. And Father, may we come together and worship you this Sunday for your glory, for the great things that you have done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. And amen.